Uh, hey, uh, if you're here and you brought your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Mark chapter 4. That's where we'll be uh, staying and sitting in today. That's the scripture we'll be talking about. Uh, last week, what we did is we started a new series entitled Savor. Uh, the whole idea, here's the whole premise of the whole entire thing. It is simply this. It is intentionally remembering the good things God has given us intentionally remembering, remembering with intention the good things that God has given us. Last week, uh, we had Scott, and he shared about Christ's salvation, and that is probably the best thing that we could possibly be savoring, and, and so it's the idea to soak in that, to breathe that in. We'll be talking about freedom and time and rest, but our idea is that we would savor the good things that God has given us. Uh, truly at this church, what we do is we try to be honest the whole entire time, authentic as much as possible, and we talk about the pain that is a reality of life. On the other side of that pain, you know, it, the antithesis of it is the fact that there are good things that God has given us, and we want to savor those. Uh, I was on a mission trip a little while back, got to go to Kenya, love Kenya, was there for two weeks doing some work with orphan care and, uh, and helping to get kids off the street. That was the goal of it. But if you've ever been, and some of you have done this, you've been on a mission trip, you don't go on a mission trip for the food, do you not? Right? You go to a mission trip and it's not luxury, it's just you eat whatever they put in front of you. And when you go sometimes, you go to these locations where the food is a little bit tough. And it was really tough for these two weeks where we were at. They didn't have a whole lot where we were at. And, and so it was just me and this other guy, and we ate what we could when we could. And I didn't realize how much I missed American food when we got back. And so we actually stopped at a layover in, uh, uh, in um, Europe. And we waited there. And as we're in Europe and we're walking through, I saw a McDonald's after two weeks of being in Kenya. Friends, I'm just telling you right now, that quarter pounder with cheese was the best quarter pounder with cheese I have ever had in my life. Those fries, McDonald fries, I savored each and every second. My mouth was watering. My eyes were watering. It was like an experience. And I remember just savoring. And I, I'm, I, I'm, I did have a stomach ache afterwards. I will admit it was McDonald's. Um, but at the same time, I savored every bite that I have. And I want us to do that with the good things that God has given us is to savor. And so let's start this morning with a question, maybe a little poll. You got to participate. Everyone must participate. You get kind of one of two choices. Here it is. The topic we'll be tackling is about peace. That's what we want to savor, the peace of God that he offers us. But how many of you would say lately that you've experienced less stress and more peace in this period of your life than any other period that you've ever experienced this last year? You'd say that. All right, there's a couple of you. That's great. How many of you would say in the last year you have experienced more stress and less peace in this time, in this period right now in your life? How many would say that? Yeah, see, there you go. Exactly. That is why we're talking about this. It is nuts in our day and age and in this area. We're going to talk about peace because in Luke, we are told that Christ promised us peace. We are told that he's provided a path for us to peace. And truly, true, like few people find it. Really, you see little kids that run around and they seem to have all the peace in the world. 
And you're like, how do I be like that? I want to have the faith of a child. And then you see some seasoned individuals who are well up there in years, and they seem to have a whole lot of peace. And you're like, I want to be like that, you know? And so few people find it. But what we want to wrestle and tackle and investigate today is this question is why, because you raised your hands, why are we not experiencing the peace that Christ promised us? Why are we not experiencing that kind of peace? And so we're going to start with a passage in Mark. We walked through this passage a year ago, and so I actually hesitated using this passage again because it was just a year ago where we talked about this. But as I was reading and as I was studying, I'm like, this is like the perfect passage to talk on this topic of peace. And so it's one of Christ's, uh, one of the famous stories in scriptures, and it's where Jesus uh, calms the storm. It's where he calms the storm. It is found in three out of the four Gospels. It's found in Matthew chapter 8. It's found in Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 4. And the reason it's repeated is because it is important. It's supposed to be remembered. And so we're going to look at that today. And so let's start off by reading it. And so I've asked Joey if she'd be willing to stand up in front of all of us and read Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 39. So Joey, go for it. On that day... When evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, and so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Wow. <laughs> she did that first service as well, and I still feel like you should come up here and finish off. That would be, that would be great. That's amazing. Um, so let's start that. If you're new here, we're going to go through that passage. Kind of what we do is we have topically titled um, messages, but as often as we can, we break them down expository. Basically, that means we take a chunk of scripture and we walk verse through verse through verse through it. And so let's do that right now, starting in verse 35. Uh, it says this. It says, on that day, and you got to ask, well, what is that day? That day is, if you look at verse 1 in chapter 4, you see that Jesus is teaching in a boat. He's teaching in a boat. The crowd is on the shore. So they didn't have microphones or speakers. And so this was a natural amphitheater as Jesus would stand or would sit on a boat and talk so that everybody could hear him who were sitting on the shore. So on that day when he was preaching from a boat, when evening had come, he, he being Jesus, said to them, them are the disciples, the 12 faithful that he has chosen, let us go across to the other side. And the other side of that he's talking about is the Sea of Galilee. Now, the first thing to notice right off the bat here, and you got to notice this, is that if Jesus tells you where to go, you should be dang sure that he's going to get you there. Right? Another way to say that is if Jesus tells you that you're going over, there's no way you're going under. You guys, I know we're not Pentecostals, and you might be a little Baptist, but that is really good, okay? All right? If Jesus tells you that you are going over, that means you are not going under. 
And he said, wow, there you go. Thank you. And Jesus told his disciples, we're going over, right? We're going over there. And so he said, we're going there. So you got to be dang sure that he's going to get you there. And the disciples start to panic halfway across as they're going there. As you read, as Joey read, the storm picks up. And the storm happens at that moment in time. And they think they're going under, but they're not. Because Jesus said that they're going over. There is an assurance There is a certainty, there is a peace that God, if he tells you where he wants to take you, he will get you there. He will take you to where he says you're going to go. And Jesus says, let us go across to the other side. Verse 36, it says, leaving the crowd, they took him, the disciples took him with them in the boat just as he was. In other words, he was sitting in the boat that he was just teaching at, And then they basically came on the boat and they took him across. It says, and the other boats were with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose. The Greek word for great is mega, like Megatron, right, from the movie. Mega, big, humongous. It is repeated three times throughout this passage. Mega windstorm, great windstorm, mega calm. And then, once it was over, the disciples were mega afraid of what they just saw. And so here's what it says. And the great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Friends, these disciples grew up around the Sea of Galilee. In fact, some of them were fishermen. So they spent a lot of time on the sea. So for them to be scared and to think that they're about ready to be goners in the middle of a storm tells you just how big that storm actually was. This was not just a little storm. Mark and Luke used the word to be translated tornadic winds. Tornadic winds. This is huge storm. In fact, it gets crazy big because if you look at how Matthew interprets it, and they were all there, he uses the Greek word seismoth, which seismoth is where we get our word seismic. So it is very possible that in conjunction to the wind that there was an earthquake going on here that added to the severity of the waves. Basically all that to say this is a mega great tornadic seismic storm happening here. This is big. This is huge. This is get your life jacket because we're going to die kind of scary storm. And where is Jesus in the midst of this? He's taking a power nap. He is sleeping in the middle of the storm, right? That's where he's at. He's been preaching all day long, and so he's tired. And friends, I get that. Like, I personally resonate with that. I get tired on a Sunday morning. I want to go. In fact, I plan on going and taking a nap right after this when I get home. Some of you are napping right now, and that's okay. I'm jealous. I totally, that's fine. But you get tired when you stand up and talk in front of people. And Jesus was doing it all day. And so he was tired. But I get that he's the great shepherd, but this is not really the time to be counting sheep. In verse 38, it says this, but he, being Jesus, was in the stern, asleep. And then I love the detail here, on a cushion. I love that. He's on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, 
Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? In other words, they're saying, Jesus, come on, get up. We're going to die, and we just want you to see it. We just want you to be awake to see it. This is a great story, peoples, a great story. And the reason it's a great story is because we can all relate to it. All of us can relate to it. Because how many of us, who hasn't been in a situation where they felt like they were going under? Who hasn't been in a place where everything around you is going wrong? Who hasn't been in a spot where you feel like you are sinking and you are wondering, God, where are you? Where are you? Where is God in all of this? Are you asleep? Are you awake? Are you even aware of the craziness that's happening inside of my world? We've all been there, right? Hell is crashing down on you. It could be even right now in your world. So many of you raised your hands. It could be crashing down on you. And the question that a lot of us have is, God, where are you? Are you paying attention? Or are you sleeping? In verse 39, it says, And he, being Jesus, woke, awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, here it is, peace, peace. Be still. What I think is so crazy about that verse and what's so nuts about this passage, and I've read it many, many times, and some of you have as well. What's crazy about that and him saying that is that the storm actually listened. Like we could go down to the Kirkland waterfront, and if you've ever been down there and you've seen the waves and it gets crazy at times, you could walk out onto that dock that's just sitting out there and you could say, peace, water, be still, Right? And you're going to freak some people out. But you're not going to stop the waves and the winds from freaking out on you from the storm. I can't control the water, let alone my kids. I'm like, Percy, peace. Be still. Just be still for a moment. And he doesn't listen. I can't control my kids. I can't control the waves. But Jesus spoke and said, peace, be still. And what's nuts is it listened. The storm listened. Here's what happened. And the wind ceased And there was a great, there it is again, great, mega calm. The storm instantly stops. It becomes glass. There is this great calm. You can see your reflection in the water. This is perfect water skiing weather. It went from this great storm to nothing. And two things we have to notice here when it comes to peace, is this, is number one, is that Jesus has peace internally. Inside of him, he has peace. He's able to sleep in the midst of a storm. Did you catch that? I don't care how cushy that cushion is. If this is a mega great storm like it is described in the Bible, that must be the cushiest of all cushions. If he's going to be able to sleep in there, or he has peace because he knows who's in control. And it helps that he's in control, right? Just a little bit. But he has peace because he knows that because of the Father, he's fine. No matter what's going to happen, he's got this. The other amazing thing about this passage that you got to notice is not only does Jesus have peace internally, but he's able to give peace externally. He gives it to the wind and the waves. He says, peace, be still, and the waves and the wind obey him. 
If Jesus can give peace to wind and waves, then I am darn sure that he can give it to you and to me. He can give it to a person. If he can hand it to a storm, he can hand it to us. But you cannot give peace externally until you have it internally. You ever notice that? You ever notice how someone, sometimes somebody will walk into a room and they just bring peace with them? Jesus has peace internally. And the only way that you'll be able to affect an environment or to give it to somebody else is if you have it internally. The disciples obviously didn't have peace at that moment in time. It is very interesting, is it not, that they are literally on the boat with the peacemaker himself and they are not at peace. They are freaking out, worried that they're going to die and they're waking Jesus up in this situation. It's so much like our world. Right? We're experiencing more and more stress. It's more and more out of control. And so why is it that we are not experiencing peace? The disciples weren't. We aren't. Why are we not experiencing peace? Here's my guess. It's that we are settling for plastic peace. We are settling for peace that is a fabrication or an imitation. In other words, I'll say it like this. We are trying to create peace on our own. We're trying to make peace happen in our world on our own power. Most of us, that's what we end up doing. I went camping a little while back with my family. We were all in one tent. Talk about peace right there, okay? All in one tent. My wife, she's amazing. And my wife is prepared for everything. If the apocalypse happens, my wife is ready for it. We've got all the supplies. We're ready to go. And so when we go camping, we take everything. We got everything. And one of the cool things, or one of the things that my wife brought with us when we went camping this last time was a noisemaker. Every single one of my kids in their rooms has a noisemaker. And I don't know if you have these things, but you can change the sounds. You can get white noise, right? You can get the sound of a stream that flows. You can get raindrops. You can get wind. You can get all of those things on your, um, your noisemaker. And so we took a noisemaker camping, and we're in the tent, and my wife, we're going to sleep, and it's at night, and we got all the kids in one tent, and she pulls out the noisemaker. And guys, we are in nature. We are in God's country, and we got the noisemaker on, and we're making raindrops, right? We got raindrops that are happening. And in the midst, as we're trying to go to sleep, I realize something. It is raining outside. <laughs> and I asked my wife, is it okay if we turn off the noisemaker and listen to the real rain land on the tent? And so we did, and we laughed about it. It was so great, but it was crazy. We're trying to, like, we were trying to create the sound of raindrops, and it's right there. God is providing. It's the same thing. We try to create peace on our own, in our own power, on our own behalf, through our circumstances, through our strength, and the reality is we're being offered peace. We're being offered peace. Friends, here's what peace is not when we try to do it on our own. Peace is not a place. Peace is not a place that when I get there on this day, then I will have peace. At one point in time, once we're at this place, once we get to that location, then I will have peace someday. When I have this, I will have peace. Peace is not a place. Peace is also not a slower pace. That's not peace. I get it. We live in a fast, fast, fast area of life. Man, Eatonville was nothing like this growing up. Okay, this is crazy, and it's only gotten faster and faster, but we always think when it slows down, then I'll have peace. 
right? When my kids are out of the house, then I'll have peace. It's always at this point in time. Peace is not a place, and peace is not a slower pace, and peace definitely is not, catch this one, the absence of problems. So many people think that peace is the absence of problems. It is not, and I can prove it to you, because the presence of your problems is not the absence of peace. Sometimes... In the midst of our greatest problems, I know this personally, I have felt the greatest peace in my life. In the midst of the craziest, greatest pain in my life, I have felt the greatest peace inside of my life. It makes no sense, friends, I get that, but it's true nonetheless. Here's what happens is sometimes those problems, what they do is they bring clarity to your life. They bring clarity on our dependence upon Christ. They help us prioritize what's important. And when we do that, we have peace if we put Christ at the top. Does that make sense? Peace is not the absence of problems. You can, and the way you know that for sure is you can have peace in the midst of your problems. So peace is not a, a place. Peace is not a slower pace. Peace is not the absence of our problems. Peace is a person, is what it is. Peace is a person. Look at this. Look at what Jesus said. He says, I have told you. In you, in all of this, and in what he was talking about in context is this idea of grief to joy. He says, so that, hear the key words, in me, in me you will have peace. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. In other words, you will have problems, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Friends, peace is found in a person. Peace is not a ceasefire. Peace is not a period in time where there was no war. Peace is not a marital status that once I get married, then I will have peace. If you're thinking that, you're crazy, okay? <laughs> peace is not a quiet house. It's not. It's not a quiet house. My grandparents had a quiet house and no peace, okay? Peace is not a vacation where you go and you sit on a beach and you soak in the sun. That's not peace. Peace is not a number in your bank account. Peace is not a number on the scale. If I can just get there and weigh that, peace is not a someday, sometime, or something. Peace isn't even a thing. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus. That is what peace is. Look at the last verse in our passage, verse 41. It says, and they, they is meaning the disciples, were filled with, there it is again, great, mega fear. Why were they filled with fear? The storm is calm at this point. They're in fear because of what they just saw, the miraculous nature of what they saw. And they said to one another, here it is, who is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Who is this? I will tell you who this is. This is the prince of peace. That's what the prophet said. Isaiah said that. He called him the prince of peace. Notice he didn't say this. The prophet didn't call him the prince of convenience. He didn't call him the prince of ease. He didn't call him the prince of comfort. He didn't call him the prince of my preferences. He was called the prince of peace because peace is a person. Peace is a person. Growing up, 
my dad represented this for me in a great way. When I was a kid and things were crazy at home and dad came home, whether it was good or as bad, he brought peace to the household. Sometimes I was with a spanking because I needed it. Sometimes it was just dad is home and it's like, ah, oh, dad's here. So great. Years later, I was riding my motorcycle in the middle of the woods, a hundred acre woods. My, my aunt and uncle owned a hundred acre tree farm. And, uh, and so I would ride my motorcycle in there. I could barely ride a bicycle, but I had a motorcycle. And I ran out of gas in the middle of the hundred acre wood. I truly did. I was scared. I was just this little kid. And I start screaming. And I screamed for a long time, thinking I'm lost forever in this hundred acre wood. And eventually... My dad busts through the trees and I see him and all the terror and all the scared and all the everything that I was feeling was peace because my dad's presence had entered into the equation. When I was a teenager, 18 years old, getting ready to go to college, I was working at a sawmill. I'm on my way home. I'm leaving at two in the morning. That's what time I got off. That's also the time that the bars close. And so on my way home, I was hit by a drunk driver. He rear-ended me, totaled my car. Spun me around, I'm looking at him, he looks at me, he takes off, okay? And I see him, he doesn't go very far, he's not a smart drunk driver, he parks back in the bar, is what he does. <laughs> so I get out, I'm okay, and I go in there, and I saw what he looked like, and I found him in the bar, and I went in there, and I said, you just hit my car. And he's like, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, and I'm like, it was you. And then it, we started to create a commotion inside of the bar, right? Because it's just about to ready to close. They're still there. For some reason, they're still there. And, and, and anyway, so we're, we're having this commotion, and eventually it gets worse. I had called my dad, and I had told him that I need you to come. This is crazy. I just got hit by a car. My car's totaled. Will you get here? Told him where I was at. And here I am having this conversation with this guy, and then he, it escalates, and we go outside. Well, the whole bar empties as well with his friends, because they're about ready to see what's going down. And I'm like, I need your license, I need your registration, you're not going anywhere. He's trying to escape. Eventually, he starts throwing rocks at me for some reason, um, which is nuts. And the crowd is supporting him, because they know him. Ah, just let him go, just let him go, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I felt alone and just full of adrenaline. I just got in a car crash. Literally, I just got tailed, and my car is destroyed. And I got this guy who's about ready to take me out, trying to escape, and I have the bar that's trying to fight me. In the moment that this is happening and we are there, my dad, in his minivan, <laughs> comes flying up and he sees the situation and he puts on the brakes in the gravel parking lot. I feel like if I could put it in a movie, he was turning like this, he opens the door while the car is moving, steps out and lets it slam the door, and steps up, you guys, in his bathrobe, because <laughs> it's two minutes, and his first words was, he walked into the middle of everything that's going on, and he goes, what's going on here? And in that moment, I am telling you, I felt peace. My dad is here and in his bathrobe, and he's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of me. Peace was in the form of a person. And the greatest peace that we can experience is the peace of Christ. It's the same thing. He offers us the only true peace in the form of his presence. That's how he offers it. King David said this. He said, I can lie down and sleep. How can you sleep? In peace. 
in peace for you alone, Lord. It's a person. Notice that. A person will keep me safe. Peace is found in a person. Jesus had and has eternal or internal peace. And because of that, he can give peace away. And he does. He gives it away to us. That person makes peace possible for us. Jesus makes peace possible for us. He has provided peace for us. He has passed peace along to us. Look at this verse. This is the best verse when you're talking about peace. It's the best verse that I'm going to read this whole morning. Check this out. Words of Jesus. Here's what he says to us. He says, peace, I leave with you. He's leaving it with us. Whose peace? My peace. That is the peace of God. I give to who? To you, to us. Not as the world gives do I give to you. In other words, this is not temporary plastic peace. This is real peace. And he concludes with this. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because Jesus is offering us peace. Jesus simultaneously is peace. And simultaneously he is providing peace to us. Jesus makes peace possible. Jesus makes peace available to us. Jesus passes peace onto us like a gift. And if you look at that John passage, John 14, in its context, the peace he is referring to is the peace that is giving from the Holy Spirit, from the comforter, the great comforter. In the fall, friends, we're going to talk all about the Holy Spirit. We're going to do a whole series on the Holy Spirit and the person of. But just right now, you just need to know that through the Holy Spirit, we are given this great gift of peace. Peace is possible. And some of you guys might be thinking, well, Jake, you have not answered the question. Why is it that I am not experiencing peace? Why don't I feel peace? Why don't I have peace? I feel like it's impossible to savor something that I don't have. And so let's talk really practical about why we would not be experiencing peace and how we can come to experience peace. Number one, the only way that you're going to ever experience true peace is in relationship with Jesus. We have to be in relationship with him. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus if you've never said yes to the grace and the mercy that he offers, you will not experience true peace. You might as well get used and adjust your expectations to the way of life that you're living because peace comes in the form of the gospel, of the great news, of what he has done for us. And friends, hear me, this is not a one-time prayer. We don't just say, Jesus, thank you so much for dying on the cross. I believe that you're God. I want to follow you. And I'm putting my trust inside of you and then go on living the same way that we've always lived. It's more than a prayer. It is an active following of Jesus. That's what true peace is. And some of you would say, well, Jake, I've, I'm a Christian. I've been following Jesus for a long time and I'm not experiencing peace. Because first off, you have to be in relationship with him. That's the only way to experience true peace. Secondly, though, if you are in relationship with him, I might want to ask this. You know, I know that you're thinking, well, really, I want that. I really, really do. Maybe I'd ask this question of you. Have you forgotten? Have you become numb? Have you fallen asleep to who he is? Right? 
Has his presence been muted inside of your life? If it has, here's what you got to do. You got to remind yourself of who he is. Remind yourself of who, just who Jesus is. The best way to do that is through his word. Look at his word. Look at what it says about him. It says that he is infinite, holy, that he never changes. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's faithful. He's good. He's just. He's merciful. And he's crazy mad in love with you. That means that the guy who is the biggest guy on the block, the guy who can take care of everything, the dad that solves every situation, loves you and is on your side. And so we've got to remind ourselves who he is, not just this small picture in this box that we put Jesus in, but the reality of who he is, that he is cosmic, that he is humongous. He can handle any situation, big situation or small situation. He can bring you peace in the midst of all of that. Have you forgotten? We've got to rest in his presence because Jesus can take care of it all. He's got it. He's got it. And we may not think so, but he's got it. And we just got to trust him in that. And that's the last part right there. We got to be in relationship with him. We got to remind ourselves who he is. And it might seem elementary, but we got to trust him. Trust him. Trust him with it. Here's what I mean about it. Trust him with it. I don't know what it is in your life that is causing you frustration. I don't know what's causing you stress right? It could be a place. It could be um, a, a situation. It could be a person that's causing you stress. I want you to hand that to Jesus. Like, hand Jesus your mother-in-law right there. Just like, just, sorry. Actually, my mother-in-law's right there. Sorry, Jill. <laughs> did not think of you when I said that. I just really did not. So, whoops. <laughs> Whatever Jesus Whatever it is, hand it to Jesus. Whatever is causing you that stress, whatever is causing you the lack of peace inside of your life, whatever that is, you've got to give it to Jesus. Trust him with it. Trust him with the most intimate, difficult details of your life. And you're probably thinking, well, how can I do that? I literally can't just hand this situation over to Jesus. I can't hand this thing to him. How do you do that? You do it through prayer is how you do it. It says it right here. Paul says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, so that's all things, by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, so gratefulness, present your requests to God. And here it is, and the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends, other translation says surpasses, all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Notice in Christ Jesus. Peace is found in a person. In Christ Jesus. That's how we find peace. We got to be in relationship with him. We got to remember who he is and the vastness of who he is and that he's completely capable. And then we actually have to trust him with that. We have to, we have to drop that at his feet, whatever it is. I want to invite Hayden to come on up I want to conclude with a song, a song that was very difficult for us to sing. In the worst part of our life, when my daughter Magnolia got her diagnosis, uh, we went back to church. We kept going to church. 
And there was a song that they played at the time. It was popular. Um, it is well. It's been popular for a long time. It is well with my soul. When that song came on and we were walking through what we were walking through, we couldn't sing it. In fact, on the way home, I remember my wife telling me that she can't sing that song and struggles to sing that song. So it's really hard to say, hey, God, it is well with my soul when hell is falling all over you and all around you. To Say, it is well with my soul. Because I don't have peace, God. In the slightest, I don't have peace. And so to pray that it is well. Now, we, weren't, we didn't have peace ever with her diagnosis. But we had peace in the person who was walking us through the situation. And so at my daughter's funeral, when we did it, my wife chose the three songs that we would have inside of her service. We had three songs. She chose them. It was her choice. And one of the songs that she chose was It Is Well. That no matter what the circumstances, to be able to say, God, I have peace because you're involved. And so what we're going to do to close, a little bit different, no big band, no nothing, we're just going to sing that. And here's my challenge. Here's my charge for you. Sometimes, in order to move forward in this th the peace, you have to declare it. You have to declare truth. And what I would love it is if you are in a place in your life where it is just rough, and so many of you raised your hands and said, this is a stressful year. I want you to declare it. Declare the truth that is, it is well with my soul, Lord, because you are in control. Because you are the Prince of Peace and you've got everything in your hands. And if you can't sing it, just listen to it. Just listen to it. And so let's sing that song together, if you can. And then I will come up here and close us out. When peace like a
whatever stress, whatever thing in your world is causing you a lack of peace, we can hand it to Jesus. Peace, friends, has been available for 2,000 years. It's at our fingertips. All we have to do is embrace it. And you embrace it by embracing a person. I am not declaring that everything will go well if you embrace Jesus as your Savior. But what I am saying is it can still be well with your soul. That's called peace. And it is given to us by a person. And that person is Jesus. No other person can offer you peace. My dad cannot offer you peace, right? No other person can offer you peace. My hope, friends, is this, is that we would savor it. First, we'd reach out and we'd grab it, and then we would savor it. We would soak it in. We would breathe it in like, peace. Savoring is simply remembering the good things that God has given us, and he has given us a good thing in his son and in the peace that comes with him. Let me conclude with this verse. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace that comes from Christ, did you see that? There it is again. Peace comes from a person. Rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, that is us, that's the church, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Jesus, I am so thankful for the grace that you have given us and the peace that you have offered us. Lord, I pray for the individual who's sitting in here stressed out and does not have peace. I pray that you would draw close to them. You would cling to them. And in, in, in contrast, they would cling back to you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest with us and speak loud inside of us, a voice that, that is louder than the chaos, that's louder than the craziness and the stress in our life, the peace that is you. We love you so much. And as that verse says, we are thankful. We are always thankful for who you are, what you've done, and what you've given us. And you've given us a great gift in the peace that passes all understanding. We can't even comprehend, Lord. 
thank you for that peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.